All right. Nobody else I wanted to have on today but our next guest, Miles Simmons, rightsprofootballtalk.com. But why I wanted to have him on in particular is because we've had him on a few times before, and let's go out to North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. But he's a national, he's a local kid done good doing national work, and we don't have that many local kids doing national work the way that you are, and so I wanted your perspective on it all. Hello, Miles. How you doing today? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Now, where did you watch the game? Were you able, you got like a, you have like a man cave you take all this in? Are you in, are you in Forio's lair? Like, where, where are you? No, I'm just, I'm just in my living room in my apartment, and like my, I have the lamest setup, dude. Like it's bad because <laughs> the way we cover things at PFT is, you know, there are four of us writers plus Florio, and so Florio is, you know, in Stamford, Connecticut, doing very important television things and preparing for those things that he has to do on Football Night in America, mm-hmm. and the rest of us are covering the game. So. Usually between the four of us, it's like, you know, there are eight games or or thereabouts, you know, for the one o'clock Eastern window. So I use my television and I use my little iPad to cover two games. So, of course, with the Browns are on, like Browns get the big screen, obviously, you know, I mean, like I'm I'm, I'm still from Cleveland. I'm not going to not do that. And then I will also usually cover the two Los Angeles teams since I'm familiar with them. So, you know, if one's in the what we have out here is the 10 a.m. window, then they go on the iPad. And then later for the four o'clock Eastern games, then, you know, the one that's on gets on the television. So, yeah, that's that's my setup. It's really not all that great. (laughs) It's incredible to me. You don't even have a two TV set. My my living room looks like a B-dubs, Miles. Okay, like, I mean, it's that's beautiful. Yeah, but I, I just assumed everybody had it at this point, right? I, now I was one of the I was one of the pioneers on this. I've had at least a two TV setup for, for easily going on twelve plus years. I was I was very early on the TVs are cheap and you can make this happen. It's not like a it's not a crazy dream to have it look like this. The only the only thing I thought was ever going to get in my way was getting married and then like you know starting a family and doing that whole ordeal. Uh, but the wife's cool with it, and my eight month old doesn't speak enough language to tell me otherwise at this point. So like we're like it's it's we're going miles, but you need you need to get on this. I, I do, and especially because I'm single and childless, so there's no one to tell me no. <laughs> it's more of a space issue, right? Okay. I mean, you know, living in Southern California, it's not like That's I true. have a mansion out here so you know it's like yeah, if you're in the one bedroom apartment there's only so many places that two tvs can go in the living room so i just i keep it to my one television and then i got my ipad and i'm sitting on my chair and i do my work and it, it works out okay so what was your instant reaction as you i'm sure tuned in on the odyssey app and heard uh what i would imagine is only a friend of yours and andrew siciliano you guys both being over in that that neck of the the country uh, call a magnificent game. I don't know if you heard the final call or not. He was incredible in the entire game, but he had this awesome call, and that's a that's a, somebody that's very invested into the Browns as well. What was your reaction? Oh, uh, it was pretty similar. I was uh, very very excited, and I honestly I didn't know that Siciliano, who actually is a pal of mine, and I saw him last night at the Monday night game, and I was like, dude, that is awesome. You lived out everybody's dream <laughs> that grew up. A Browns fan. I mean, like, and, you know, as of course, we all have Jimmy Donovan in our thoughts and our prayers, mm-hmm. and we wish him the speediest recovery as possible. But, 
you know, if it's got to be somebody that takes the place, I was really happy for my pal Siciliano there. That was, that was awesome uh, to make sure that he had his reaction on that and that we all got to see it, too. That was pretty cool. Now, are you carrying the national media then, uh, the narrative that, um, you know, no McCaffrey for them in certain parts of the game, no Debo for them in certain parts of the game, no Trent Williams for them in certain parts of the game. As if it almost felt like everyone came up with the collective idea that the 49ers should have been given some sort of pass for what happened. Okay, but the Browns started P.J. Walker, who was coming <laughs> off their practice squad, right? I mean, for every one of those, you can counter it. The Browns don't have Nick Chubb, right? The Browns didn't have Deshaun Watson. You know, it, it was messy conditions. and Everybody had to play in it. But look, I mean, you look at what Jim Schwartz has done against Kyle Shanahan in the past. This is not necessarily a surprise, right? You look at what the Browns have done over the course of this season. This is not really a surprise. Now, the ultimate result could have been different, yes. And, you know, even if the Browns didn't win that game, I think we'd still probably feel pretty good about the performance that they put out there on the field, but they did. You know, how many times since 1999 have we seen things go poorly for the Browns at the last second? This was one of those times where the football gods were just smiling down on Cleveland, and I couldn't have been happier about it. Now, you, you mentioned the matchup between Shanahan and Jim Schwartz, and it was a big talking point in the pregame, and I think matchups are important in the NFL, Miles. I really do believe in that. But I don't want that to then diminish what we think about this defense moving forward. Is this the best defense in the NFL, or was this just a really good matchup for that one week, and then the other weeks we still have to maybe blend together to find out what they are? No, this is the best defense in the NFL, and I'm and I'm not just saying that because I'm from Cleveland, right? And I, that's a mm-hmm. that's a good opinion, and it's a valued opinion because of what they've done, not just against San Francisco, but you do you you look at the way that offense had been working, right? They hadn't scored under 30 points in a game all year, and you held them to 17. Like that means something, you know. I, you can talk about the conditions, you can talk about the injuries and all that, but Brandon Ayuk was still out there. You know, Trent Williams came back in the game. You know, they had uh, um, George Hill. He was still out there, too. So it's not like you're talking about a team that doesn't have anybody just because Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel goes out. I mean, like, I understand how important those two dudes are. I I think those two dudes are some of the best offensive skill players in the league. So I don't want to take anything away from them. But I think to – discredit the Browns for what they've done against good teams, against good offenses, right? Yeah, the Bengals were a mess to start the season, but we know that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are really, really good. We know Key Higgins is really, really good, and he didn't have a catch in that game. You know, you look at what they did against the 49ers, the lowest yardage output that Kyle Shanahan has ever had since he's been head coach of the 49ers. That's not nothing. So the Browns' offense may be a work in progress, but I think you know, it's rare to see somebody come in as a new assistant coach like a Jim Schwartz and just immediately fit the personnel like a glove, fit the personality of the team like a glove, and get out and make sure that, that, team, that those guys can go out there and play to the best of their ability. It, it's been a match made in football heaven. Yeah, and Miles, you know how the convos move fast. Oddly enough, uh, we spent really a lot of today discussing a lot of different things around Stefanski, but on Schwartz, We'll get to Stefanski in just a second, I promise. But with Schwartz, uh, the rumblings today was like, well, is he doing such a good job that then he's going to leave us to be a head coach at, after this year, which is not something when they gave him the job we even thought was 
going to be uh, even amused as a possibility. Do you feel like Jim Schwartz would want another crack at being a head coach, or do you feel like he'd stay here, he'd stay with the Browns and see this through? I think that anybody who is in this position would like to have another crack at being a head coach, but I think the, the problem becomes, all right, well, you hire him, then who you're hiring is your offensive coordinator because – Let's be honest about it. It's still an offense-driven league. Mm -hmm. And if you are hiring a new head coach, then chances are you have either a young quarterback or a quarterback that you believe needs some sort of rehabilitation, if I can use that word. right? He's got to be able to improve, to make a jump in some way. And if you're going for that, then that's not really what you would want in Jim Schwartz. I think that Jim Schwartz should be one of the highest-paid defensive coordinators in the league. Right, but we saw what he did with the Lions. He had some success with the Lions, he did, yep. but it's not like he ever won a playoff game either. So, I mean, maybe you know, in different situation, he gets with a guy who can really coach offense. He's got a veteran quarterback already installed. Like that might work, but I think the perfect place for Jim Schwartz, in my opinion, is somebody's defensive coordinator and you know, somebody's defensive coordinator with a very, very good front four and a very, very good secondary. And, you know, look, that's what the Browns have. Where does Deshaun need to get now that we know that this defense is as good as we thought it could be going into the year? It's a tough question because if Nick Chubb were healthy and averaging five yards a carry as he has for his entire career, then I would think that if Deshaun Watson were a top 15-ish to 10 QB, then you would probably feel good about the Browns making the playoffs. Now, But you don't have that, and the run game is now a work in progress. And Deshaun Watson has to be the kind of quarterback that is earning the kind of salary that he's earning. You know, mm-hmm. when you're making – $45 million a year and it's fully guaranteed there are certain expectations and you have to be able to meet them. It's the same conversation I've been having you know, today kind of about Justin Herbert after that you know, performance that he put on the field last night against the Cowboys. He's being paid to make throws. Right? He's being paid so that if Keenan Allen has juked a, a defender out of his shoes and he's wide open down the left sideline, he's got to be able to make that throw. It's the same sort of thing you got to talk about with Deshaun Watson. Once you get that contract that makes you one of the highest-paid players in the league, you need to perform like that. So I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to get there, but if the Browns are going to make noise and stay contenders throughout the entire season, that's, that's really what they need. They need him to play like a top-10 QB and elevate everybody around him. I, I don't know that he's going to be able to do it, though, unfortunately. Yeah, Miles, you talk about that Chargers game last night. You know, Chargers fans last year, they started talking about Brandon Staley, right? And and it's an ongoing conversation. After every game, feels like Chargers fans want to talk about Brandon Staley. After every game, Browns fans want to talk about Kevin Stefanski. Is it unfair after a win like that to even bring up Kevin Stefanski and where he's been this year and where he needs to get to. Uh, yes, and I'll tell you what. I saw what Lima said today. Yeah, that's what I'm getting about at. <laughs> Stefanski. Yeah, I totally agree with him. You know, like because look, Stefanski has far and away been the most successful Browns head coach since 1999. Right? How many bad head coaches have we lived through? Mm-hmm. Pat Shermer. Oh my gosh. Mike Pettin, who brought in Kyle Shanahan, and then they had to fire Kyle Shanahan <laughs> because he had the 15-point power presentation or PowerPoint, whatever it was. You know what I'm talking about. Yep, yep. I know everybody knows what I'm talking about. So it's like we've, we've seen bad. This 
is what a competent head coach can get you to do, right? I mean, it, it was astonishing to me in 2020 when they played the COVID playoff game and still beat the brakes off the Steelers. But I was like, wow, if that's what they can do when Stefanski's sitting there in his basement with COVID, like, that means he's put together a really good program. And I think even though we've not seen that level of success over the last couple of years, you still see the remnants of where the Browns are not just, you know, a punchline anymore. You have to know what you're getting into when you're going to face Cleveland. And right now that means you're facing a really, really darn good defense, right? You have to be prepared for that. And it also usually means a really darn good run game, but obviously without Nick Chubb, that changes things. So I don't understand why you would want to fire the head coach after you beat the best team in the NFL. No, the, the timing, what is that about? The timing of the conversation is weird. There's no doubt about it. But Miles, like I, the way I look at it is I, I think about, okay, great. A defense is going to be part of our identity. We have this great defense. But Kevin's always sold us on him being an offensive guy. And in the Joe Woods defensive time, he basically ignored the entire defense. So I, it's weird. It's it's If we want to go back to Brandon Staley, we can do this. Where Brandon Staley, defensive-minded guy, but you look at that team and it's like, well, the offense is the only good part you can talk about. Like It's, it's weird. It's a weird dynamic at play here. I, I understand that, but I think at the same time, he is the head coach, right? So, you know, if he doesn't hire Jim Schwartz, then Jim Schwartz doesn't come. And mm-hmm. he still sets part of the agenda for every bit of the team because he is the head coach. And so the buck stops with him. Now, because Jim Schwartz is so accomplished as a defensive coordinator and so experienced and also as a coaching experience, he doesn't really need to do very much to, you know, make Jim Schwartz, you know, do his job, right? It's the same kind of dynamic I witnessed out here in Los Angeles with Sean McVay when he first got his head coaching job and Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator. I mean, Wade Phillips yes. was yeah. head coach of the defense, right? Like, you know that Wade knows exactly what he's doing, and he did. And it helped the Rams get to the Super Bowl. So I just – I do understand certain things about the concerns. And, look, if we're being honest with ourselves, if Deshaun Watson doesn't show improvement and if the Browns don't win another game, then it's going to make more sense to start having that head coach conversation. But with where the Browns are right now and they have established a defensive identity, they're working through things offensively, in which – Again, when you don't have your best player on offense, it messes everything up. You have to reevaluate everything, right? You're playing without one of your best offensive linemen during that game on Sunday too, right? Mm-hmm. So these are all things that I think we just have to work through and process. And we're a third of the way through the season now. We're through week six. The Browns are three and two. Like, it's been so much worse. So many different points. And I, and I understand. Like, you can't just say, oh, be grateful for what you got sometimes. And if I thought that there was some real reason to think, like, oh, Stefanski can't do it, then I would say it. But I, I don't really see that right now. Miles, appreciate you as always. Uh, I'm ha- I was happy for you for the win. Uh, happy for all of us for the win, but happy for you as well. Keep killing it over there at profootballtalk.com. We'll keep checking you out, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you later. Thank you. Absolutely, my friend. Take care. Good stuff right there with Miles Simmons on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline.